1: Turn up your volume, because
0: you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress, beyond organic sleep.
2: Game one is in the books of the Stanley Cup Finals and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, had absolutely no problem at all beating the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 5-1. to one. Joining me to talk about it, he is the premier Tampa Bay Lightning insider, Eric Erlinson. How you doing, bud?
0: I'm good, Tony, man. It's great to be on with you in, in video format. We usually do this uh, voice format, but this yeah. is... Uh... Modern technology is great.
2: You're right. You're right about that. I, You know, I, I could tell you're, listen, your hometown team is winning. My hometown team is losing one game in. One game doesn't make a series, as we saw between the Canadians and Vegas. And we also know that it doesn't matter what the score is. Tampa Bay beat the Islanders 8 nothing in game five. And they lost game six by a score of 3-2. to two. Having said all that, I have to tell you, I understand why they're defending champions, and I understand why they're in the finals. It's nothing new that I'm going to tell you, but Eric, as you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they are really, really
1: good.
0: They are so deep, Tony. Um, they don't have many areas that you can exploit, right? They're just they're, – they're a hardened team now. They understand – what it took for them last year in the bubble to get to the championship and the type of game you have to play and the understanding on how to play that game. I mean, just look at the left side of their deep with Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough and Mikhail Sergachev's emergence. You know, I mean, they're so deep that Blake Coleman's a top six guy probably on just about any other team and the price they paid to acquire him at the trade deadline last season. Dictates he should be a top six guy, but they're so deep, he plays more of a third-line energy checking role, but he's capable of scoring 20 goals. Yanni Gord is a 20-goal scorer. He's a two-time 20-goal scorer. He's a third-line center, asked to do a lot of the checking nowadays, um, and Um which they've done throughout most of this postseason, and that's not even counting Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and Stevens. I mean, they have the top four scorers in the playoffs right now. Yeah. Stamkos, Kucherov, yeah. Point, Alex Kalorn. They have really haven't gotten the production out of their back end despite the goal by Eric Chernak and part of me shot during the regular season.
2: Yeah, and part of me, Eric, what do those four guys have in common?
0: Uh, they're really good players.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they were all drafted by yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, and that's one big thing, and we've been talking about this for years. Al Murray is the architect of that whole scouting department. Uh, and he's been there for a while. But think about this. Look. They drafted Steven Stamkos at number one. No problem there. They drafted Victor Hedman at number two. They probably lucked out uh, by getting the number two pick because yeah, with all the respect to John Tavares, I think Hedman is uh, exactly what the doctor ordered for Tampa Bay. But think about this. Nikita Kucherov is, where would you put him? Top five player in hockey? Absolutely. Okay. They drafted him. Mm-hmm. Right in point is top 10 player in hockey? Easily. They drafted him. And then you talked about Kalorn. They drafted him. Um, Palat, they drafted him. Uh, Gord and Johnson, they did not draft him. Nobody did. And they signed them as free agents. Sorelli, uh, they drafted him. Vasilevsky, they drafted him. Um, I mean, the work they've done with drafting and with their GM signing players, It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, the the draft development has been their lifeblood. It really has. And it's something when Steve Eisenman took over in 2010, that's one of the first things he worked on was set the tone for the draft board, right? And the tone has always been, find me players who compete. Find me players who have high hockey IQ. If they have skills, we'll work with them. If they have skating deficiencies, we'll work with them. But if you can find me guys who will compete in games and understand how to think the game, we'll work with them. And that's how you get an Anthony Sorelli in the third round. That's how you get a Braden Point in the third round. And then they see something in guys like Yanni Gord, who was cut free in the middle of the season by the San Jose organization. And it took a couple years for Yanni Gord to make the NHL level. And you look at it now and you go, how did anybody not see this in this player? Because what does he do so well? He competes. He is a dog on a bone of going after pucks, and he will not back down from anybody. They love those attributes. I'll even throw in the example of a guy like Carter Verhage. Carter Verhage was the leading scorer in the AHL two years ago. Two seasons before that, he was in the ECHL. They worked with Carter Verhage. They saw some of the offensive skill that he had. His skating was deficient. They got him in the program, into the system. They worked with him. They developed him to the point where he was – a somewhat of a regular last year. And then you look at what he did with the Florida Panthers this year. It's been absolutely everything. You know, and, and Pat Verbeek, who was the assistant GM here, I remember having a conversation with him one day yeah, about that drafting to develop. and he said, you know what nobody ever says about prospects? You left them in the minors too long. They always say you brought them up too early. So they make sure with that whole development ideal and philosophy that they have that when it comes time for a player to come up to the NHL level, that they're ready. You know, Anthony Sorelli's rookie year, didn't come up until March. He got that seasoning down in the minor leagues. Nikita Kucherov played the first month and a half in, in Syracuse in the minor league level. Actually, it wasn't until Steven Stamkos suffered that broken leg in 2014 that they called up Nikita Kucherov. So they don't rush players whatsoever. They make sure they put them on the right path, and then you get rewarded for how they play.
2: It's a sick podcast. I'm Marinero and the show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myascentiacom slash sick pod and see why Essentia is the mattress of choice for many athletes, including over 25% of professional hockey players use code Sickpod for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia beyond organic sleep. Speaking of sleep at one point, uh, Mikhail Sergeyev, I think tried to put Brendan Gallagher to sleep boy. I got to tell you, those images, everyone's still talking about it today with blood dripping down his face and oozing and squirting out of his head. That was unbelievable. And Eric, I'll add, incredibly scary at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Look, there's a reason why the league has instituted this uh, You know, helmet rule. Right. If you if your helmet comes off during play, you got to leave the ice. And we saw it was after a whistle. Obviously, it's a different situation. But, Tony, how much has ripping off the helmets become the new face wash in these post whistle scrums in the playoffs? I can't tell you how many times I've seen it throughout this postseason that they just, you know, and then yeah. what happens is you get a scary situation like last night. I mean, Mikhail Sergachev is not trying to hurt Brendan Gallagher. He's trying to maybe say, you're not going to push me around. We all know the dog that Brendan Gallagher can be when he gets involved in it. He's got such fight in yeah. his game um, that he's just, you know, Mikhail Sergachev is just trying to kind of fight back a little bit. And it's scary when you go head first into the ice. Uh, I, I hope he's okay. I haven't heard anything today as we talk, uh, but it was a, it was an image, and it's a scary image. And it's, again, I think some of the stuff needs to get out of the game. I think yeah. these post-whistle stuff –
2: well, well, listen, I'm going to say this, okay? I'll, I'll say this. Uh, and, and by the way, to answer your question, uh, Luke Richardson said earlier today that uh, he had a goose egg, Brendan Gallagher did, last night at the end of the game. He had a chance to see him today. And he said, listen, he'll be there for game two and he'll be competing. Uh, I'll tell you this, though. Gallagher went in and tried to start something because of that Absolutely. competitor that he is and the Canadians yeah. were losing that game. You're going to ask Brendan Gallagher to change the way he plays. He hasn't changed up until now. He's not going to. I'm just wondering, awesome. I'm wondering how much gas this guy's going to have left. He's got a six-year deal after this. But anyway, I guess we'll worry about that later. Let's talk about the matchup now. Philip Deneau, the plan for the Canadians, the game plan, was for Philip Deneau's line with Deneau, Gallagher, and Arturi Lekanen to do what they did in the Toronto series to the Matthews line, to do what they did in the Winnipeg series versus Shifley's line in game one and then what Shifley suspended versus the rest of that line for the rest of the series to do what they did versus Chandler Stevenson's line and then he got hurt and then Tuck took over and Vegas' number one line. They weren't able to do it because Keith, Maurice, and DeBoer were not able to get away from the matchups. John Cooper was. He had the last line change. But, man, was he sharp last night. Instead, what he did was he took Yanni Gord and he put Yanni Gord out there against Philip Deneau. And, by the way, their former teammates having played together when they took the Victoriaville back in 2012 or something like that, and I took a look at Hockey DB and I couldn't believe it, Yanni Gord picked up 124 points and was the leading point-getter on that team. But Cooper was sharp. But at the end of the game, when he was asked about his players and him and the game, he said... It's easy to look as a good look good as a coach when your players are as good as mine.
0: Uh, he's right. It's it's the depth that this team has that they can throw a Yanni Gord line out there against the Dano line and and not worry about it. I mean, it was that line that scored the second goal in you know the second period They gave them a two nothing lead, uh, and that's what I'm saying with with the depth that this team has. I mean, Tyler Johnson's a fourth line center now. And his game has slipped. There's no doubt he's not the same yeah. player he was in 2015. Uh The production shows that he was a, he was a second line winger most of this year with Kucherov out, um, but he's now their fourth line center. And how dangerous was he last night? How dangerous was that line last night with Pat Maroon and, and Ross Colton? I'll um, take it a step further,
2: Eric, if I can. Yeah. And I'm I'm going off the top of my head here, but Tyler Johnson, fourth line center, has to be the best fourth line center in the league.
0: Probably. Yeah. And, right. You know. And, and he, look, he, he hasn't scored a ton in this postseason, but he's not getting the ice time because, you know, you're getting 9, 10, 11 minutes a game. He's used to being a guy closer to 18 to 19 uh, when he was, you know, at his best. Um, but they're just so dangerous at the fourth line. And, you know, and then if, and then if you're going to get Cooper to get the Gord line out there against Deneau, well, that frees up Braden Point and uh, Kucherov and Pilot And, you know, with, with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield and, you know, as great of a playoffs as that line has had. That's a hard matchup for anybody, and that's a hard matchup for Patrice Bergeron and his line in Boston. So if if the Lightning are going to get that matchup on a consistent basis, and and you know Suzuki doesn't step up and Caulfield doesn't step up, well, the Caulfield had a couple of really good looks last night, including one very early in the game with a good yeah. shot. Yeah, he spot. went high. He went high. Yeah, he did. Uh, but if that line is going to be matched up against Brady points on, you have to think that's probably going to be a pretty huge advantage as the series goes on for Tampa Bay. And look, John Cooper's not usually somebody who gets caught up in the matchup game, but yeah. I think they obviously saw an opportunity in game one to, to kind of look at it that way uh, and, and utilize the fact that you can get a point line out there against a couple of young players.
2: It's a sick podcast. You can listen to us on uh, iHeartRadio radio app and um... Uh, and all uh, social uh, media platforms and uh, sportbuffshop dot com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code six fifteen for fifteen percent off on all of their items. All right, okay. So now you just talked about Cole Caulfield shot that went high. Josh Anderson went high. Uh, so Caulfield went high um, blocker. Anderson went high glove. Weber went high glove. The Canadians went high all night long. It appears to me that their scouting report would tell them to go high on Vasilevsky. Now you've seen Vasilevsky more than probably anybody else other than the people working for the lightning. But I have to tell you this. I would think go five hole on Vasilevsky. Am I wrong or not?
0: Uh, Again, try and find a weakness in this game. In in, in actuality, uh, I think historically – that the glove side has been considered maybe his weakest, and he's worked on it. I mean, you you don't get to the level that Vasilevsky is at without working on something. Okay. When he first came up, that was an area that they were, you know, they kind of had him to get that glove hand up more. Like, it it always dropped, and they had to get him to, to kind of pick it up. And it was up last night, boy, especially on that Weber breakaway. He had the glove in the perfect spot to be able to snag that one. Um, and, and and prevent uh, Weber from scoring there. Um, beating him a five-hole, like it has to be a really good move. I mean, he's so hard to beat down low because his legs are so long. Uh, he moves so well post-to-post, post, probably as good, if not better than any other goaltender in the league, and he covers so much ice with those legs. It's so hard to beat him, and that was really the book on him as soon as he came over to North America and was playing in Syracuse his rookie year was it's difficult to get pucked by him down low. Now, I will say this. He actually has, if you want to call it a weakness, the one area where teams have found some success are long-range low shots. Right, Ryan Pulock had one in Game 1 for the Islanders in, in the last round. Uh, go back to 2018, the first goal that was scored on him in Game 7 was a long-range shot. He tends to have some issues with those type of shots. But the glove has been something that he's worked on because it was a perceived weakness. And that's probably what some of the scouting is showing Montreal is to go high. But I mean, the new shot that you have to be goalies anyway, Tony, we know is above the pad and below the blocker.
2: Yeah. What do you make of and we're hearing a lot of in Montreal? Dougie Hamilton is the one who started telling everyone when Tampa Bay eliminated Carolina, we got beat by a team that's 18 million dollars over the cap. Uh, Listen, some will say he's got a point. Sounds like sour grapes to me. I think excuses are for losers. I think it's a loophole that clearly, hey, you know what? Call it circumventing the rules if you want. Call it finding a loophole. I think they're smart. What do you make of people saying, though, this is not fair, Tampa Bay's 18 to $20 million more than everyone else?
0: I think if Tampa Bay wasn't the defending cup champion and Nikita Kucherov wasn't Nikita Kucherov, I don't think this would be as big of a deal. But because it's a, a highly skilled player, one of the top players in the league who wasn't able to play in a shortened season, look, if they played an 82 game season, this wouldn't be an issue, right? There it was it's a whole fifty-six game schedule, the the time frame for the hip surgery was right in line with that, four to five months. Uh, because I do wonder, because Tyler Sagan had the same type of surgery, right? He had his sooner. Yeah, He didn't come back until, I think, two or three games left in the season. And even then, that was kind of rushing it back. And he had his surgery sooner. Uh, and the other thing is, too, is what I think a lot of people miss is just because he's back on the ice. And, Tony, you know this. Just because a player is back on the ice skating with his team doesn't mean he's ready to skate in a hockey game. There's a big difference, especially with the amount of time that a player misses yeah. like he did. You're not in hockey shape. Those practices are meant to get you in a hockey shape. You're not taking contact. You're not going through the hard drills. You're not going through battle drills. I mean, he wasn't cleared for contact until, I think, the week before the end of the regular season. So, um, you know, and look, Dougie Hamilton uh, is, is catching a lot of heat for that comment. Yeah. But he did set it up and say, look, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I think that just shows you how deep that team is because they were able to spend that money. Got it. And that's why they were able to beat us. But I think if this was, you know, if if this was Tampa Bay and they weren't defending Cup champions, if they were on the short end of their um, sort of run here, I don't think it'd be as much of a big deal. But they're the defending champs, and when you have an opportunity to do that, people are going to have a little bit of a side eye towards it.
2: It's a sick podcast with Tony Marinero, and joining me today is Eric Erlinson, Lightning Insider. Shout out to Excellent Photo centrally located, close to downtown shopping in Montreal, close to universities, ships to all of Canada, professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear you really need. Excellentphoto.ca. Okay. Everyone knows that Tampa Bay is the favorite. Uh, I would imagine a lot of people have their money on Tampa Bay today, and we'll get to the money part in just a second here, but paint a picture for me. Speaking of excellent photo, paint a picture as to how you could see the Canadians beating the lightning.
0: Um, well, Carey Price is certainly capable of stealing games and he made some fantastic 10 bell saves last night to keep the game close. Uh, so that's always a possibility when you've got one of the top goaltenders in the world in your net. Um, the other idea, again, I, 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 so, mentioned so if I the can,
2: can yeah. carry price would have to give up two or less.
0: Yes. Okay.
2: That's number yeah. one. Number two.
0: Yes. And we know that we know Montreal's record when they give up two or fewer, right? They're fantastic in these playoffs. The other thing is, is I think I mentioned this to you before, is force Tampa Bay to turn the puck over. And I know it's a game of mistakes. Every team makes them. Nobody plays a perfect game. And usually who makes the fewer turnovers has the better chance to win the game. If you can get – and look, this happened to Tampa Bay last night. When Montreal made the push, when they made it 2-1 and they had a couple of chances in that time frame, it's because the lighting started to feel too good about their game. Their D was getting a lot lower than we've seen throughout a lot of this playoffs because – they felt good about their game, and sometimes that can be a, a back backfire on them because then they will start 20 bucks over. You have to force Tampa Bay into beating themselves, and that's easier said than done with what they've gone through the last two years because I say it again, the seminal moment for this championship run last year and what they're doing this year came in game one against Columbus in 2019 when they were up 3-0, end up losing that game in regulation 4-3, and the comment from John Cooper – were too worried about scoring the fourth goal instead of keeping the first one off the board. And when they lost that series, it sent them into some soul searching as a franchise. They didn't need jerk reacts. Julian Breezeball kept that same analytical approach that he has, didn't make a coaching change, which everybody said had to happen, stuck with it. They just tweaked their understanding of taking risk out of their game. And because they've taken that risk out of their game, again, go back to game one against Columbus last year, that five overtime marathon, where they stuck with that system, where they were patient. They didn't force plays that weren't there. They played a uh, not necessarily a a risk-free game, but they just reduced the risk. And now if if, if you're going to let them play that comfortable game that they're comfortable now playing, they're going to beat you. They've got so much skill and so much depth that eventually they're going to get chances. And what they have is eventually going to end up behind you, and that's going to give them a chance. So Montreal has to find a way to get Tampa uncomfortable and make them turn over the puck.
2: It's amazing what one trade can do. You wonder what would have happened last year and what would happen this year and what would happen going forward if that Sergachev for drawing trade never happened.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and look, Jerem was coming off a pretty good year here. He, he yeah. kind of found some of his game. Um, you know, still wasn't living up to the hype. He was supposed to be this playmaking winger to play alongside Steven Stamkos, never kind of materialized. Uh, but yeah, look, when they traded for Sergachev, they had a, they had a glut of forwards, right? Like they had so much forward depth. They weren't even sure they're going to be able to sign Duran, especially not to the contract that Montreal I ended up signing him too. But when they brought in Sergachev, it, it just shored up a, a organizational deficiency. As great at the drafting and developing that we talked about at the top of the show, they've never really found that defenseman. You know, they've got – they still got Cal Foot, and, you know, he kind of trailed off in the second half of this season. He's the first-round draft pick of theirs. They've never developed a defenseman. So when they brought in Sergachev, it filled that hole as a young, promising, upcoming defenseman who has the capability of being a number one guy. You know they they make the deal too for Eric Chernak. We see what Eric Chernak has been able to do and, and shore up the right side of their D as a young player. Um, yeah. But yeah. If if Sergachev wasn't here, um, you know we we just mentioned how deep they are on the left side. It, yeah. That's that's the area they have the weakness, and that's why last year they had brought in Kevin Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk. Why they brought in Zach Bogosian? You know, right before the trade deadline, because that's that's kind of been the weakness organizationally for a number of years. And Sergachev filled a big hole when that happened.
2: My God, what a defenseman Sergeyev is, Sergeyev is at 23 and what a defenseman he's still going to become when he hits his yeah. prime because he's probably about five or six years away from it. It's unbelievable really. Uh, anyway. Okay. Um, I know you're always honest with me, but I'll end it with this. Okay. So now you need to be brutally honest, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> you're closer to that fan base. than obviously I am in general. Do the Lightning fans think this is going to be a walk in the park?
0: Yeah, the, the fans do. I think those of us who analyze the game a little differently and, and take the some of the uh, emotion out of it understand that you know Montreal's here for a reason. You don't you don't luck your way to a Stanley Cup final. Not in today's game. You know, there's a lot of parody in it, and um, so yeah, the fan base for sure. You know, they were all hey. Lightning in three, that's the way it's going to go, you know. especially after watching last night's game. But I, I think those of us that take a different analytical approach is like, no, wait a second. <laughs> this Montreal team is tough. They play tight defense. They can be physical. They got some really good big defensemen back there. They did a pretty good job of clearing the net for the most part. You saw Tampa Bay doing these running screens a lot. They weren't parked out in front. They were trying to get traffic with motion uh, in front because of how big and strong that, that Montreal D-Core can be. Um, so, yeah, the fans thought so. I don't think so, Tony. I think that we're going to get a much better read on this series with Game 2.
2: Eric Erlinson, um, give a shout-out to your podcast so Montreal Canadiens fans watching this can actually go watch and listen to your podcast so they can hear what's going on with the Lightning's perspective on it.
0: Yeah, just find uh, lightninginsider.com podcast. Just go Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you get them, Stitcher. It's it's all out there. Just search for lightninginsider.com or, you know, search for my name, Eric Erlandson, the podcast to come up. I've been doing recaps after every game, so they're ready ready the morning after games uh, as we go along here.
2: Take care, bud. Thanks for doing this, man.
0: Thanks, Tony. A lot of fun, as
2: always. All right. Okay, so Lightning fans think that this is going to be a walk in the park. Uh, let's see what Cash has to say. His money was on the Canadians for value is it still on the Canadians? It's
0: time for sick Bits. Brought to you by my bookie.
2: All right, uh, cash. Your handle is run my bets. Money, money, money. Cash. Make me some cash. Is your money still on the Habs?
1: Uh, I'm going to be honest, guys. It's not. Uh, it was in Vegas. I did see value there. They beat them in six games, a major cash out, by the way, for anybody who was listening to the show. Major cash, guys, plus 300. If you put a unit, that's like three units of profit. We're talking big money, guys. I give them I gave them on and also game six. They won. Also, guys, it's simple. It's, it's literally it's, it's the simplest thing in the world. If you've been listening and you've been making my plays, even if you're not a sports better, if you've done those things and it doesn't have to be a thousand bucks, it can be 20 bucks here and there. You're up big since i started on this podcast we're up over 20 units that's massive guys because of series futures because of good spots good plays uh you're up big but uh, onto the onto the montreal tampa bay series uh guys i'm gonna be honest i think montreal has finally met their match i don't think there is value you're gonna get them at a ridiculous number plus 650. I wouldn't put a dollar on it. I don't see it happening, guys. I think they can. My numbers have them winning one and a half games. So what it's telling me is they'll win one game almost for sure. And it's about a 50-50 that they'll win two games. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. More plays, more clients, more money to be made. I love it all. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I just think the, the, the Lightning having that $10 million edge on the cap salary is a massive edge. A lot of people will say, don't, uh, it's, it's one player. It's not a big deal, guys. It's a massive deal. We're talking a percentage of the salary basis increased massively. Uh, one player like that, if you did that in the NBA, if you gave the NBA an extra $10 million to one team, you would see a massive win percentage increase in that team. I don't think it can be understated. I think it's a massive deal in the NHL. All right. So, Cash, play. I yeah. don't
2: put my money on the Habs. Who am I putting my money on? What are you looking at?
1: You're, you're going to put your money on the, on the Clippers, guys. Clippers for game six. Clippers are going back home. I've been on these guys the entire series. Three and one with them right now. They've been covering the spread like machines. Took them last night plus five and a half. They didn't even need the points. They won outright. They're going back to Los Angeles. They're going to win, guys. Uh, I see a game seven. I don't know if they're going to win game seven. I can't guarantee you guys that. But this Clippers team has been a different team at home. Expect them to put on a big performance. They've been great in late game, late, late season, late series scenarios. Put your money on the Clippers. Decent size bet, two units.
2: There you have it. He's Cash. You can follow him. I run my bets. I'm Marinero. Game one in the books. Tampa Bay Lightning 1-0 lead in the Stanley Cup Final versus the Montreal Canadiens. But always, go Habs go. And you can follow us, listen to us on iHeartRadio and all social media platforms. Until next time.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress beyond organic sleep.